This week on Geek Explained, in part two of Souptember, I'm joined by Zach McCrary of the comics that we love to discuss a hot button issue evil Superman. What works? What doesn't? And why is there such a fascination with the concept? Find out here in part two of Souptember, the case against evil Superman. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is part two of Souptember, where we are dedicating the entire month of September to the Man of Steel and all of his associated topics. Last week, we had an amazing interview with Doc Shaner, my favorite artist, where we got to wax poetic about the artistic approach to Superman. And this week, we might be waxing even a little bit more poetic as Zach McCrary of the comics that we love love podcast swings by to discuss evil superman this has been a big thing and a topic that i've been wanting to talk about for a while and when zach told me that he wanted to talk about it i just knew that we were going to have a lot to say and boy do we and it's funny because I kind of knew that this was going to be a hot button issue. It has for a very long time. And it's something that I've been, I think, notoriously against as a concept. And I've already, when we did the announcement for this month, I've already been getting people who are like, oh, you just don't get it, man. Like, I, I've already had some Snyderverse people who are like, that's what, this is why Zack Snyder understands the character and you don't. I, uh, I don't want to get into that or give them any more breath than they deserve, but just listen to the listen to the conversation. I think there's a lot that we have to say about it, both for and against. Uh, my case, as a, as it has always been, is against the concept. I don't think it works, but there's a little bit more nuance to that. And I'm excited to have Zach on here, especially because he is my collaborator for September. He's also got a whole September slate going on this month. This week, he's actually going to be tackling Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, one of my favorite books that has come out in recent years. So make sure when you finish listening to this episode, you go on over to the comics that we love and hear Zach further wax poetic on Superman as he talks about Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. I'll remind you at the end of this, but uh, it's really, September has been the the love child of Zach and myself, so I'm glad that we were able to get together and talk about this topic. Uh, we also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll be chatting you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, as well as a weekly review where I'll be doing a uh, little halftime intermission i guess on ahsoka to discuss what i'm liking about the show and maybe where it could go from here so tune into that after the jump make sure you stay tuned for all that but for now let's roll right on into the main event the main course the entree if you will in part two of September, zach mccrary and i discuss the case against evil superman
Welcome to part two of Soup Temper. Yeah. This is, of course, where we are dedicating the entire month of September to the Man of Steel. And this week, we are going to be diving deep into a discussion that has been gosh i mean th this discussion's been going since the dawn of time it feels like why why evil superman why evil superman why does it why is it a thing why is it popular why doesn't it work and why does it keep coming back but i am not having this conversation alone which would be weird but i mean i do solo episodes but i think this this discussion is worth having with someone who is I would say pretty well versed on the subject. I am joined by fellow September collaborator Zach of the Comics That We Love podcast. Zach, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you back. Thank you, Mr. Azana. Always, always happy to be on your show. Been looking forward to this. So excited about September. It's going to be a blast, folks. You got to tune into all of it. Got to tune in. Got to tune in here. Got to tune into Zach's stuff. Zach is working overtime. I've <laughs> I've only got like one episode a week going through this. Zach has got you covered for the rest of the month, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you tune into his podcast. We'll talk about it more at the end. But I am really excited and I'm really intrigued to get down and dirty into this because we talked about possible topics we could get into and i was i'm not gonna say i was shocked that you picked this one but i was very intrigued there were okay. certain there were certain topics that i had on the board that i figured oh we're this, this is a home run easily we're gonna go this <laughs> but i'm really excited to chat about this because i think this is something that's been worth a conversation for a really long time i agree uh i I, when I saw this one on the list, it drew me in because it's a nice chunky topic. Like this yeah. is this there's a lot to there's a lot to discuss here and and you can really I mean you can go deep on the roots of like why evil superman and and you know and I you know along the way I may have to play a little devil's advocate in some instances. I'm not going to lie, you know, like there, because I am an unabashed Supreme fan Oof. and Supreme, Oof. as I've said a million times, murder hobo, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think we're going to, we're going to find a couple of those as we go along this discussion. True. True. <laughs> but yeah, I, I am fully aware and ready for you to play devil's advocate. And I think that's, what's going to make this conversation so interesting is because I come from a very purist base, which is mm. one of those times that I like to think that I'm pretty level headed with things, but there mm -hmm. are some things where I'm like, I will not accept any other opinion than my own on this <laughs> and this might be one of those times but i'm excited to chat with you about this before we get into it though mm -hmm. i want to ask how were you introduced to superman oh wow i mean that's that's one of those things that's really hard to kind of find like your, right. your like meet cute because it it's Superman is such a cultural icon that, and and literally my entire life Superman has just been present. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh it if I had to draw it back, it might be my parents watching one of the Richard Donner films nice. and me sitting there and just 
oh, that's Superman. And then finding cartoons, you know, like, and then finding action figures and, and kind of being, I'm pretty sure if I had to break it down, I was probably introduced by Christopher Reeves, I would say. Nice. What about you? I, I think that's that's with a lot of people. I mean, when I was very small, I watched obviously that first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve, and he was, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a more perfect casting when it comes to live so action good. adaptations yeah. of a comic book. And as I continue, he was the first superhero that I ever learned about, which mm. was, it's wild to think in retrospect, because, you know, as a kid of the 90s, literally, there's so much going on <laughs> when it comes to comics and how they were, you know, making their way into mainstream media yeah. with all the cartoons and whatnot. But Superman really was the first for me. And he kickstarted, I think, you know, appropriately my entire love of the genre of superhero storytelling oh man so from day one you have always been a superman guy you've never you've never faltered day one i was i was a super lad i was yeah. all you know i think as we grow older we get you know we we go through phases mm -hmm. um i know i know for me especially when I was young due to obviously like animated series and collections and whatnot i was a big wolverine head yeah. Um, I even, I even had that phase that I think we all go to, you know, for whether it's, you know, for six weeks or a lifetime of being a real big Punisher and Deadpool fan. Sure. You know, it's, but throughout it all, Superman has kind of been my guy. He's been my okay. bag. And, you know, it's, I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, Superman's always been a character that I have gravitated towards for a number of reasons. Yeah. I mean, his, it, his design is iconic. There's nothing like you see that and you know, Superman. 100%. Um, it's one of the most recognizable symbols on the planet. Absolutely. We, we talked about in the, uh, in the discussion with, uh, with Doc Shaner about how like just the iconography, the combination of colors, mm. red, yellow, and blue immediately Superman. That's what you think of. Totally. And so the thing that really got to me about Superman as I grew older beyond like, oh, he's cool. He punches stuff. He flies. He was a character that I could see myself in for a very specific reason. And what I've always kind of really loved about Superman and something that kind of spoke to me on a fundamental level was him being of two worlds. The idea that, you know, he was, he, I mean, he's the ultimate immigrant story. And yeah. him being, you know, having to struggle with this, and we've seen in some of my my favorite Superman stories, you know, your birthrights, your Smash of the Clans, where he feels very alien, and not just in the literal sense, but also dealing with, you know, as someone who is of mixed heritage, not feeling like you're human enough to feel aligned with your Kryptonian side and not feeling Kryptonian enough to lie, you know, or feeling too Kryptonian and not human enough. It's something that I, you know, as an Asian American have always kind of struggled with. And so it's, uh, it's one of the reasons that I have loved this character and a reason that he's kind of stuck with me throughout all of his different forms. But something that I've really, I mean, loved about the idea of Superman in general is that he can represent so many different people. He's, you know, his his origin as the champion of the oppressed was, you know, as this New Deal 
guy fighting against corrupt businessmen and union busters and you know um uh domestic abusers and him just yeeting people out of windows and like <laughs> bringing direct justice to the people who were causing injustice to other people and True. it's it's funny how over time you know obviously certain aspects of that have changed i did an episode uh earlier much earlier on in the podcast where i went through the entire um his superman and the and his history of social justice from the beginning until now and it's one of my favorite episodes but it is something that i've always loved is that superman defends people and mm -hmm. that kind of for me gets to the core of what superman stands for as a character what what do you what does superman mean to you like what do you think superman stands for in your experience i i mean you you couldn't have said it more succinctly uh <laughs> I, I mean super everything that you said is so true like superman is the embodiment of hope and 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 the the idea that there is such thing as pure goodness you know that that there that there is something out there that you know that that at the core anyone can be truly good and make the right decisions and do the right things and that it doesn't necessarily have to be cool to be the bad guy and, yeah. and you know you know <laughs> which 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 in truth is where i got to with superman myself because as a kid of course, I loved Superman, you know, like you you love the good guys, you love the heroes. And then I became that cynical, like heavy metal <laughs> teenager and and uh, and for a long time was was very much anti Superman. But the funny thing is, when, when I look back on it now, I was anti Superman for all the, you know, all the same reasons why I think Superman is great in a weird <laughs> way, you know, like, like he's always doing the right thing. He always says the right thing. He always makes the right move. But that's the whole point. Like that is yeah. when you lose that, you lose the plot. You lose the point of the character like that. That is why Superman is what he is, is because he is a being with all of this power who could easily lord it over humanity, but he has zero interest in anything of that nature. Even to the point where like I, one of the books that spoiler alert that I did for this month is the Superman son of Kal-El. Yes. And I, and I Great loved, book. I loved that discussion that he and John had at the beginning of the comic. They're sitting on the moon and John just point blank is like, why don't you do more? Like you could do everything. And you, there are certain things that you don't do. Why don't you do them? And 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 Clark's reason is because I'm not of this world, and there are certain things that I feel would be overstepping my bounds. And yeah. but those are things that you can do because this is your home. You were born of Earth, like this is your planet, even more like, more so than it is mine. And like you're the person, you're the Superman to do those things. And for someone to have that kind of wherewithal and and to like lack the pride and the narcissism to think like i can do everything i should do everything you know because there's so many stories out there where you get that right. even uh like a good example was uh like the x-men with the phoenix five during a versus x mm -hmm. the phoenix five in a twisted way mean well you know but yeah but they but they use the power to control everything right. to make these things happen and that's the problem superman the right superman the true superman will never do that 
will yeah. never do that. He will find a way to do it the right way. And that's that's what I appreciate about the character. And Superman does kind of represent that that antithesis to the might makes right argument. Yes. Where it's like, even if he didn't have these powers, like he would still be doing what he does, just on mm. a admittedly much smaller scale. But yeah. he had the, you know, not just the benefit of having, you know, being this strange visitor from another planet. He also was raised by just the two best parents in comics. I don't know, <laughs> like, if there is an argument against that for whatever it reason. It can't be. I mean, it the Kents can't. are the best. Yeah. Ma and Pa Kent, Jonathan and Martha, like, mm -hmm. that's who they are. The best parents in comic books. And don't come and, at me with Alfred, people. Yeah, look get out of here. Let, look get what he here. let he, Bruce do, okay? He's great. <laughs> he's great, but he's Alfred. an enabler, okay? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the word. <laughs> that is exactly right. Alfred is an enabler. <laughs> I love and him. Maybe, maybe we'll get into Alfred at another point, but <laughs> the Kents are the best, bar none. And they instilled these values within Clark, and mm -hmm. he, as he's grown older, has been able to, you know, adapt them and bring them into everything that he does and i love i love that you brought up john kent because john kent regardless of whether you like the aging up and personally i don't <laughs> i think that john kent is as emblematic of what superman means just in general as you can get because this is Agreed. someone who was taught by superman to have superman's values Mm -hmm. And it's a funny thing because you mentioned, you know, eventually you, you know, went through this phase where you disliked Clark for all the reasons that like as adults were like, that's the best thing. Yeah. And like, we, I think we all go through that. I mean, I will admit like I, you know, there was a point where I was, you know, had my confidence shaken because I'm like, all these characters are so cool and they're so flawed and edgy. And mm -hmm. I mean. Let's be honest. I, I I went through my scene phase. I was wearing the big pants <laughs> and listening to Lincoln Park. I still do. But, you know, what Superman represents is the idea that it it's okay to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And no, it might not be the cool thing. It might not be the popular thing. But what he does is he represents someone who tries to do his best and tries to help because he can you know, that that old adage of with great power comes great responsibility was originally a Superman thing. Yeah, I mean, and one of my favorite stories, and and uh, I know that it's one of yours as well, All-Star Superman yes, is such a perfect emblem of Superman as a person because he finds out that he is dying. And what does he immediately think to do? He immediately is like, I have to make sure that the world's going to be okay without me. Like, yeah. that's his worry is... Mm -hmm what's going to happen when I'm not here to do the things that I do to help people. I need to make sure that there is something in place when I'm gone. Like he accepts it like almost immediately. Immediately. Yeah. It's just, okay. How long do I have? I got stuff I got to do, you know? Yep. And that's, that's Superman. That's Superman. And I think that's, you know, that, that, that really does speak to him being like, okay, I have a certain amount of time left. I need to help as much as I can before I go. Yeah. And that's, I mean, as Superman. Which yeah. brings us to our conversation today. <laughs> because the concept of evil Superman is the opposite. I think at its basest form, 
the concept of evil Superman is someone who would use his powers for his own gain. Mm -hmm. Someone who would look at the idea of might makes right and say, you know, they've got some good points. And <laughs> someone who would use and abuse his abilities to get something out of whether it's selfishness or whether it's fear, um, turns a twisted, away. Twisted ideology even. Absolutely. And turns away from the idea that makes Superman work and turns it into something that is maybe not exactly <laughs> what that character represents. I want to ask, Zach, when you hear the term evil Superman, what does that mean to you and what immediately springs to mind? Oh man. I mean, nowadays when I think, when I hear the term evil Superman, I immediately think of injustice. Yes. And, <laughs> and to me, oh, so I, I, I have loved evil Superman. I, I have, and, and I can't hide that fact, yeah. but at, you know, it's funny, like with my, my old age, you know, my birthday's tomorrow. I'm getting, I'm just, I'm, hey. I'm one foot in the grave, but like, as I've gotten older, <laughs> I I've just come to this point where I, I, I just think that evil Superman is there. There are a few reasons why, and, and none of them, like they all miss the plot on what Superman is and why Superman is good. And, and so for me at this point, when I think of evil Superman, I think of jaded fan. I hate to say it that way, but oh. I think of, I think of jaded fan and I, and again, Supreme fan. So I, yeah. you know, I'm talking about myself too, but in a lot of ways, that's kind of what I think of is that like somebody couldn't think of a better thing to do with Superman than to make him evil for some reason. I yeah. said it. <laughs> but I, but I think you're touching on something that's like, that is honest and something that's true because like, obviously with all of the uncoolness of superman as he is mm -hmm. the immediate thought would be well let's let's make him cool let's make him edgy let's make him gritty and realistic yep and i think the realism argument for superman has always been something that's that's both an interesting concept to discuss but also is a complete non-starter mm -hmm. because if you're thinking about a realistic way to tackle a person who flies and shoots laser beams, then we've lost the plot immediately. We're, we're already, you know, talking about something completely different. And mm -hmm. that kind of being parlayed into, well, if Superman ha had all these powers in a realistic setting, he would be corrupt. It doesn't say a lot of good things about like general people, which is <laughs> and, unfortunate. And about the way that people view people Yes, and the world absolutely. We like we live in a very nihilistic and very jaded world where yeah, where that's what people think of each other. That absolute power corrupts absolute. You know, which can be the case, but sure. also I think the blanket cynicism is something that I just don't vibe with. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because I have been a lifelong Superman fan. I've had that value kind of instilled into me, but. And something I have to struggle with a lot is knowing that other people weren't brought up that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I think is the most interesting thing about having Superman go up against characters like the elite or characters like that. And we'll get to that later. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, and having this concept of a character who you have loved from a very young age 
and saying, yeah, but also he kills people and he's mean is like, <laughs> it's like, it seems like a foreign concept. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? But my question, I guess, would be, and I think you you touched on it, is why is it such a popular idea? And I think you mentioned with the the jaded fan, the cynicism, the idea mm-hmm. that we as a as a people, as a species, do not believe that someone can be as good as Superman. Right, right. And I think it it you can also kind of see it as like a cultural touchstone, like where where the culture of the world or, or like America at the very least is, is mm-hmm. where you're gonna see certain kinds of Superman stories popping up. Do you know 100%, what I mean? percent Yes. Yeah. Like a perfect example, and this isn't Superman, but it basically is red red and yellow hulk hogan through the 80s early 90s <laughs> career starts to kind of slump what do they do he goes he goes all black bash at the beach. leader of the nwo bash at the beach he goes full dark leader of the nwo what happens huge career resurgence mm-hmm. huge yeah that's that's always an an interesting argument and i mean we've talked about this before we're both huge wrestling fans alongside being uh comic book fans it's what it's what brought us together was the was the episode <laughs> yeah. i did on uh, antonio Inoki and superman we had a love great that episode. conversation it's funny one that of that my favorite one, episodes funny that that is the callback and what we're doing this month yes it's yeah. I, it was it was almost a year ago today oh wow or this month i guess look at us and they said it wouldn't last they said it wouldn't they said it couldn't be done. <laughs> they said they'd they'd lose their fans. They said they'd never fill out an eighty thousand uh seat arena. They'd never do it. If our podcasts um, do that, man, let me tell you. No, no podcast could go all in. <laughs> but here we are. Uh no, I I love that analog though, because there is something to that, oh, Hulk Hogan was this incredibly popular character when mm-hmm. every you know when wrestling was presented as Saturday morning cartoons. But as we get older, we fall in love with characters that have you know more quote unquote flaws, and we like to think, oh well, Superman's too perfect. He's boring. He's all mm-hmm. of these things, which couldn't be further from the truth. But the idea of hey, let's make him evil does give that. Oh, but now he can come out to he can come out to some Jimi Hendrix and he can be <laughs> playing guitar with the with the the world's heavyweight championship. And now he's cool. Now he's exciting. Now exactly. he's interesting. So I want to get into something that I know you are very familiar with, and that is analogs. Oh, Evil yes. Superman analogs. If you missed it, by the time that this goes out. Zach will have already released an episode on analogs of Superman and the best Superman analogs. A wonderful episode that if you have missed is the greatest way to lead into September. (laughs) And so I want to talk about some evil Superman analogs. Let's do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to just dive in because you already mentioned him Supreme. (laughs) Supreme is a character that, I mean, besides him being the most Liefeld that ever Liefeld. Oh, God, so many to, biceps. When it comes to Superman, there's 25 different biceps in there. You know, his <laughs> his 126-inch pythons. Like, <laughs> you want to talk about Hulk Hogan adorned in red and yellow. Uh, <laughs> Supreme is this character that absolutely does feed into that idea of absolute power corrupting absolutely. Mm. And he's a character that... Though you can say he has obviously had 
heroic moments is a character that does like you mentioned before oftentimes resort to murder hobo totally yeah i i found the character because i was just i just happened upon a list of top characters rob liefeld ripped off from other companies (laughs) And, and i saw that one and i was like I'm going to own every issue of that comic <laughs> and I'm real close, <laughs> but it, it, it is, it's, it's such a product of the nineties. Cause it was one of the OG image comics when everything was like, we were saying big biceps, lots of action, gritty, gritting teeth, you know, and all the pouches like, money can all buy the pouches money can buy. And he is such a product of that time, which like I said, it's a cultural touchstone thing. Like that was what was in that was grimdark was what sold books. You know, yes. they had just killed Superman to try and sell books, you know, yep. like, and, and, uh, and Supreme is, he is like the complete antithesis of Superman outside of wearing a cape and, 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 uh, and having the same power set basically. But like, <laughs> yeah. other than that, they couldn't be more polar opposites. And that was totally what Liefeld was going for. He was like, what if and it was the, the cliche jaded, like what if Superman, but a badass? Yeah. You know, like, what if Superman was cool? Yeah. <laughs> what if Superman was cool? I, I hate that, but you're right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> that is the elevator pitch. What if Superman, but cool. <laughs> yeah. And that is totally what Supreme is for the first I'd say like 30, 40 issues. It's mostly just him fighting and gritting his teeth and fighting harder. Oh boy. And, and uh, but he does, there is a turnaround and surprisingly Alan Moore was the turnaround because when Alan Moore got on the book, he used the character of Supreme to be an apology for all of the grim darkness that he had done. And so he like, it's, it's probably one of the best silver age Superman stories. If you, yep. if you go and check out his Supreme run, but yeah, like, so that character came full circle and kind of came back around, but yeah, like Supreme is the perfect example of the evil Superman, even though he was kind of the, of a good guy, he was more of a, I'm going to do what I want kind of good guy. Well, and it's interesting too, like bringing up Alan Moore, cause Alan Moore is a character is I mean, he's a character in himself. He's a, the sex wizard, yeah. He's a wizard. Yeah. Uh, he is also someone who I think fundamentally understands Superman. Like, mm-hmm. you only need to look at whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow of that book. for the man who has everything. Like, mm-hmm. he gets Superman. Definitely. Somehow. He is completely, <laughs> like, off base with many things. But somehow, he even he understands Superman. And... I Supreme is an interesting character whenever he shows I mean he's he has an iconic design he's very like obviously again jacked got the red and yellow color scheme and he is always angry at someone for something (laughs) totally but like I have have an issue sitting over here with him being tortured on the cover his muscles are like crazy and like ripped and just the word hate at the bottom right (laughs) corner of the book there's no reason why it just says hate <laughs> that is supreme well and it's 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 cool because like there's obviously supreme has you know popped up all over the place and him being a liefeld creation there is always time to make fun of supreme as a character <laughs> but like he is one of those analogs that like you can see as superman but also like you said could not be more different Mm-hmm. could not be further apart 
And in that way, I think there are analogs to Superman that utilize that idea and that concept of evil Superman in really interesting ways. Let's talk about the Plutonian. Yes. Let's, the Plutonian let's is a character. He's the lead of the irredeemable story. And he is a creation of my favorite writer of all time, Mark Wade, who also gets Superman. Mark Wade is, and I've said this on the podcast before, Mark Wade is the biggest Superman fan in the world. If you think you're the greatest Superman fan in the world, Mark Wade is a bigger Superman fan than you. I just, <laughs> I'm sorry. Those are just the facts. And this Kingdom is coming come, from man. someone who has been a lifelong Superman fan. I know that Mark Wade is a bigger Superman fan than I am. <laughs> but Irredeemable does this great thing in that it knows the kind of story it is. That's something that I think with Supreme, there's a certain self-awareness that it lacks. Mm. With <laughs> the Plutonian and Irredeemable, they know what story they're telling. And what story they're telling is what if Superman goes bad, but at his heart, he's still kind of Superman. Okay. Because across the story, have you have you have you read Irredeemable? It is on my queue for the podcast. I haven't I haven't read it. I'm it's incredible. Um, if you do end up doing an Irredeemable episode on the podcast, I would love to get deep into that with you. Um, I mean, we can just sign it now. You can be the guest for that episode. Let's do it. I'm in. <laughs> All right. I'm cool. in. Um, though, if you do end up getting Mark Wade, I'm happy to be bumped off. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but it's this story where this character who's very Superman-like loses faith and decides, I need to... Very injustice in the way that he says, I'm going to step in and I'm going to make this work mm-hmm. and work for me. And what follows is 37 issues of a character falling from grace and finding redemption. The entire idea of the story being called irredeemable is an ironic jab at <laughs> stories like it. And I love the story. Um, can't I don't want to say more because I do want to have a conversation with you when you get to it. <laughs> but we'll we'll move on then to I think one example that is uh i don't want to say mainstream because it was not a very successful film but a crystallization of the concept of evil superman which is hilarious considering the person who is now running dc studios (laughs) it's brightburn Mm -hmm. brightburn is a hilarious concept to me because it is literally what if superman but bad it's at completely at its core is just that yeah <laughs> and it tells the story of this this character named uh brandon Breyer, who just like clark kent sent from his home planet crashes in crashes in a field found by two parents except it turns into a horror movie oh yeah it is hard produced by, horror yes there is some <laughs> out-of-pocket shit that happens in that movie that still is like (laughs) you're doing this all right cool um it was produced by james gunn which i mean tells you all you need to know but also (laughs) is hilarious considering he's writing and directing the superman (laughs) legacy Legacy, yeah (laughs) i can't wait to see uh to see david corn sweat superman fight brightburn that's gonna be great my god uh (laughs) um but he is this it's this kid basically breaking bad and 
terrorizing Smallville, mm. basically. Uh, his parents are not the Kents, which I think, if anything, is a ironclad argument to the <laughs> idea that the Kents really formed Superman and who Superman is. But yeah, he basically just rips through this town, kills both of his parents, and then becomes Brightburn and terrorizes the rest of the world. Um, they also, I think, in a post credit scene, start showing off, maybe there's the Flash! Maybe yeah. there's other characters! And I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking want to watch another movie of this. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they like laid out an Aquaman and a Wonder Woman, I think. Yeah. And I, I was totally like, are they going to do a whole universe of this? I was like, I don't want another. <laughs> I don't want this to be a trilogy. I'm good with this as it is. Um, it's not a great movie. And I think, I think because it's a horror movie, I think they're able to get away with a lot more. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think the idea that it's not, that it's not a great movie comes from the fact that it comes from a flawed concept, which is evil Superman. Mm hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't wasn't the whole deal with him. They kind of played up the idea of he was sent to Earth as a weapon like that. That was yes. the point of him being sent was to become what he becomes. And yeah. yeah and, and that, you know, when you when you take away the what's the word I want to say, like the cognizance, like the the uh self-actualization like when you take away the character's ability to make the decisions for themselves to make the right decisions yes you lose a big chunk of what makes superman superman because right. that's that's what we get a lot with evil superman is he's a puppet for this he's a black lantern he you know he's makes a spit lick is messing with him or somebody somebody's <laughs> taking control or like uh, uh actually maybe i should hold on to it but there's another character who in movies when it was going to wind up toying with him and yes. taking control yeah well and there's it, it's interesting too because like i'm i'm i love that i haven't thought about that before but the idea of removing autonomy from superman leading into the evilness because i mean he's not evil Mm -hmm. But how re how Superman is represented in The Dark Knight Returns has always not sat well with me because he is utilized as a puppet for the United States government. Mm -hmm. And removing his autonomy when it comes to that story, I mean, it's an iconic story, but Superman being used as a weapon of Reagan, essentially, to take oh, out anything yes. that the U.S. government decides shouldn't be is a large reason on why like people look at superman as such a stooge stooge is the exact word i was thinking because yeah. that is that is a problem like when you get these of these stories it makes the public at large who maybe isn't reading regularly and maybe don't understand superman at his core it makes mm -hmm. him look like a big dope who's easily manipulated and exactly. that's what winds up happening with a lot of these stories big dope easily manipulated even injustice yep and we are getting to that. <laughs> um, our final three analogs that I want to briefly touch on. Um, Hyperion at Marvel. I am on record as being a Hyperion stan because I oh, cannot yeah. help myself. I am a sucker for Hyperion in all of his forms. But several times we do see a... Because 
folks, if you don't know who Hyperion is, he's literally just Superman at Marvel. Literally. Literally. That's just, yeah. that's who he is. That was the um, whole point of him at first. Yeah, yeah. him, the Squadron Supreme, mm-hmm. uh, they are the Justice League. That's all yep. they are, literally. But different variations of him have also shown, you know, the Squadron Sinister and him mm-hmm. being a villain. And Hyperion, I think, at his most evilest was as, of course, King Hyperion, who King enslaved Hyperion. his world. And there's a great story where he comes through and he's like, no, I'm a good Hyperion. And then they suss out that he's an evil Hyperion. It's in the <laughs> Exiles book, I believe. Yeah. And he's just, and they're just like, no, oh, shit, oh, shit. And he's <laughs> like, he's terrifying. Um, but obviously it is, a, again, a self-awareness to that character that they know this is a wrong thing. And so he is obviously defeated. I think the last two are probably the most recognizable right now Ooh, yeah. as we're recording this. The first being Omni-Man from Invincible. <laughs> and I didn't know if I wanted to include him on this list because of the knowledge of his whole arc right. when it comes to that. But... For those of you who only watch the animated series and are super hyped for season two, that's also me, and have only seen Nolan's story up until the end of season one, I think it's appropriate because he is someone who very clearly is patterned after Superman. Definitely. The only thing he's missing, I believe, is laser eyes because I don't think any of the... I don't think he has laser eyes. I might be wrong. I don't think so. Can I do a quick fun callback? Do it. So one of the iterations of Supreme, his alter ego was a comic book creator and he was writing an Omni-Man comic and that's actually the first appearance of Omni-Man. Stop, no way. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> oh my God. You're, I'm, I'm gonna need you to send me something on that because that's wild. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, Omni-Man is like one of those characters that you will immediately think of when you're thinking of evil Superman. Because he's totally. a character who, you know, represents that idea that, oh, he was sent as an advanced scout. He's here to, you know, kidnap and hold the Earth ransom and he's going to turn it into something. I mean, it's it's the it's the Saiyan plot. He is a he is a Saiyan. He's, he's Vegeta. Yeah, he is Vegeta uh, just masquerading as Goku. Mm-hmm. What a story. Uh, but, but raised Goku. But raised Goku. Like, yeah. it's... Uh, it's <laughs> I, I love Dragon Ball. Uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting to me, too, because he goes through an arc, just like the Plutonian, on coming around and being a character who you really can root for. But as he is, the Think Mark Think, voiced by J.K. Simmons, um, I'll let you know right now, listener, that's the only reason I'm picking up MK1. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, man. Playing as Omni-Man and our other, our final analog, that's all I'm going to be playing as. Absolutely. That's, that's going to be killer. I can't wait to have those two go. Literally. It's, yeah. I can't wait for the intros to the two oh, of them man. just to oh. see. Uh, I'm, I'm a big death battle guy. I don't know if you, if on YouTube, they have this whole series called death battle. Mm-hmm. They did a, uh, they did a Homelander versus uh, Omni-Man episode and it was choice. Oh, I have not seen that. Very good. Um, But Omni-Man is a character that I think is given the amount of time and care to become something greater and beyond the evil Superman trope. Our final analog has not. Oh, boy. And may not ever. Um, (laughs) This is Homelander. 
Yeah, yeah you want to talk about irredeemable. <laughs> uh, Homelander from The Boys is a character who embodies evil Superman. Garth Ennis to the core. Sure, isn't he just? to the core. If you, I mean, and I've said this before on the podcast, don't read the comic. Uh, just watch the show. It is leagues better than the comic. Uh, I just, that's how I feel. That's how oh, I've man. always felt. Not I an just, guy? I'm so... No, but also like <laughs> it's not necessarily about that. I think it's just the the adaptation takes a lot of the concepts from the comic and just does them better. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes them and and it's not like oh it's more palatable for you know general audiences. It is, but it's also an understanding of superheroes and the genre. That's much. It, it's a greater understanding that I think Garth Ennis had a handle on at the time that he was originally writing the comic. Mm-hmm. I think and plus yeah. it it just works so much better in the current landscape of Superman and Superman and superheroes as pop culture. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it is it is the modern evil Superman. Like right yes. now because for a while it was Superman from Injustice and now mm-hmm. when people think of it they think Homelander because yeah. he is so front and center and because the show blew up so much. I think that's the thing that Ennis had. <laughs> I hate to say it because I am an Ennis guy, but I find that the shows that are made for his stuff get the characters better. <laughs> like the, the, <laughs> like it's so Preacher. True. Like yeah. Preacher was an amazing show. I, I loved the Great comic, show. but that I but I loved the show. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's interesting too because like I think again with him in this kind of golden age of superhero media Mm -hmm. when it comes to adaptations um homelander is the poster child for maybe the most successful adaptation of a comic book in that way of how much it improves upon the source material because i think the boys as a show improves upon the source material tenfold i mean look no further than a character like soldier boy who was Mm -hmm. a really just unfortunate one-off joke in the comic book and turning him into maybe the most interesting character in the show i don't know uh it's shout out to jensen ackles i know he listens to this podcast for a fact big geeks blind fan he's a big geeks blind fan i don't know that for a fact but i I like (laughs) to believe um it's it's fascinating to me how much homelander represents just that core idea Mm-hmm. of evil superman of this character who was raised in an environment with the abilities that he had which as we come to find out are artificial but being given all of the wrong lessons <laughs> <laughs> and it is truly a nature versus nurture argument when it comes to him versus superman and the idea that his environment shaped him into the cynical terrible person that he is mm-hmm. and he plays on both versions of the evil Superman trope where at first when you meet him, you're just like, this guy is just a piece of garbage. He's just evil. And that like, period, he's just evil, period. And then gradually, as you get more about the character's backstory, you start to realize, like you said, that he was a product of his upbringing. Like he was shaped by the people who were feeding him different messages as he was growing to the point now where he is this just awful amalgamation of terrible things, you know, as an adult. And yeah, he, he is the perfect example of the evil Superman tropes. 
And he is a fascinating character. And I think there is something to be said in that if you're just relying on Superman but evil as a story concept, then the character doesn't work as well. See Bright yeah. Burn. But <laughs> if you take a character and show why he doesn't work, because there, there's, it, I think it'd be something different. And we, good Lord knows, I see this all the time where people are like, yes, you know, Homelander is so much more, you know, interesting than Superman. And it's like, what are we doing here, gang? Yeah. What is the, what are we, what is the point of this? Um, where it can be very frustrating to see people who are like Homelander or Superman, but better, which is not the case. Let me just full stop, put the stamp on it. Not the case, but I, I do appreciate what they try to do, especially I think in the, in the show, what they've done kind of leaps and bounds on showing possible outs for him. Like Mm -hmm. the idea of becoming a father, the idea of him learning more about his upbringing. I mean, the, did you watch the, uh, the animated stuff for the boys? No, 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 I haven't. It's this great little anthology series. And one of the episodes is focused on Homelander when he first debuts and he's very new and he's very green and watching him, kind of slowly become more demented over the course of the episode it's fascinating and again it speaks to the idea that super that he could have been superman Mm -hmm. if not for the environment that he was in and and he is the perfect example because most of the time when you get evil superman they're just front and center evil because they have the power to be as such but for the longest time he is putting on the the visage the the, of being Superman. Superman. Yeah. But behind closed doors, he is the opposite. Behind closed doors, he's supreme. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Superman on the streets, supreme in the sheets. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And that's it's fascinating too, because like that also speaks to, you know, our our modern cynicism of nobody can be that good all the Mm -hmm. time. He can put on a facade, he can put on an act, but really he's, you know, a piece of shit just like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And it's an unfortunate worldview to have, and it's an unfortunate viewpoint to have on a character. Yeah, that is that is another thing that I think is why people like evil Superman a lot, is because there is that like Schadenfreude factor where you like to see mm. people who are on top fail. You, you like you take like a like there is a joy taken, whether you admit it to yourself or not, from watching like Tom Brady lose a Super Bowl or something like that. I'll you know, admit like... that every time I love <laughs> I love seeing Tom Brady lose Super Bowl. <laughs> but he's he's football Superman. Yes. And that's totally well. I mean, Superman in the powers aspect. We won't get into his personal life, but <laughs> but yeah, like. There, there is that like that schadenfreude where like there it's uh you know i knew it was too good to be true or see he's he's not perfect you know, and mm-hmm. and watching someone crumble and e- even if superman himself isn't being harmed by being evil we can look at it like that's the way it really would be you know like yeah. you're that's like the superman that people think of is is bullshit this is real superman this is the real world kiddo you know yeah. like that's i think that's what it comes down to a lot of times too and so the idea of evil Superman being utilized in other characters is a fascinating thing in itself. 
mm-hmm. you know, having these characters who represent the idea but are not really evil Superman. Mm-hmm. But when we start talking about Superman who is evil rather than an evil version of Superman, I think it gets just as complicated and fascinating in the same breath. Because you look at, I think, the two most well-known out of them all, that being Red Sun and Injustice. Mm-hmm. And those are the clearest cut ideas and examples of an evil Superman. Red Sun, I think you can, depending on how you view certain things yeah. and how much politics has a has a any given influence on how much you enjoy a comic book, um, can be viewed in several different lights. Because Red Sun Superman does eventually become superman yeah it just takes him a long time to get there it takes a long time and a lot of character development to get there oh yeah yeah plus a russian batman or two (laughs) and he's a character who i think immediately is again one of those like one of those images that you picture when you think of evil superman because of the association with the kremlin with russia the ussr Mm -hmm. um but one that I think is more clear cut is obviously you mentioned before injustice. Yeah, yeah, he is like he is clear cut evil. With Red Sun, it is more of an ideological stance, and you could look at it as he was he meant well, <laughs> you know, like because he ultimately Red did. Sun Superman meant well. <laughs> he just had the wrong, well, not even the wrong, but a different ideology placed it. Yeah, it's wrong. Okay, I'm just it's, gonna. It's, <laughs> it's it's really complicated. It's so complicated, which is why that book is good. Again, like one of your boys, right, right in Red Sun, you know. Yeah, it's true. I, it's fascinating to me because, like, you get to see, like, the, I think one of the best page turns I've ever seen in a Superman story is the note he gets, where it's why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle which oh, yeah. still just like is the ultimate like 20d psychic damage like knocked <laughs> prone like you are that is you you have lost you have lost yeah. the war sickest of burns sickest burn i've ever seen um but when it comes to injustice in the scope of let's look at this just from the the video game standpoint mm-hmm. if you look at just the the first video game positing the idea that all it takes is one bad day for superman and he becomes an authoritarian dictator a tyrant if you will i don't love that and i think that that's a again a crystallization of the concept where it's a misunderstanding of the character that Agreed. you think that this would happen and and no obviously no disrespect to the studio no disrespect to netherrealm or anybody who came up with the story but the idea that all of all of superman's supporting characters would perish and it would go the way of injustice rather than kingdom come is baffling to me because like kingdom come and injustice tell the same story basically yeah with the same premise but in it one of them is superman and the other one is somebody else <laughs> and that's you know looking purely just at the first video game something that i was always like okay like i guess that 
he would just go on a murderous rampage, just take over the world because that happened and not <laughs> find the strength within himself. And this is, of course, my cynicism coming in and being like, did no one read Kingdom Come? <laughs> one of the most seminal comics ever created? Don't, don't you just you just didn't look at this up in your in your research? What's going on? But then we get to the comic book. And you can very plainly see that Tom Taylor, who also wrote Son of Kal-El, a book mm -hmm. that we both love. And very much gets Superman. He very much gets Superman. Went into overdrive to make this story work. <laughs> and I don't think it st still, I don't think it works 100% of the time. But showing the five years that it took for him to get from point A to point B goes a long way in figuring out how this evil Superman becomes evil Superman. Yeah, because if you just look at the game, it's literally a night and day. Joker Joker does the thing. Superman just rips his guts out and that's it. Now he's evil. Now he's the leader of the world. That's like it's all. just boom, boom. And I love that game. I love that series. But yeah, like that—that that is another example of portraying Superman as a big dope who's easily manipulated and then just loses it at the drop of a dime. Like you said, like one bad day and that's all it took. Well, and, and that's like just you not mentioned, Superman. it's removing his autonomy. Yeah. It's him being influenced by somebody else's actions to turn quote unquote evil. And on a base level, on paper, man, that sucks. Like it was a bad day. It's a, it's a very bad day and not just for Superman for also all of the writers, but like it's, it's a story that I think fundamentally doesn't work mm. just on the level of, we have examples of why this doesn't work. However, again, with fleshing out the idea that underneath this, he is still Superman and getting to that point as far as Tom King had to stretch. <laughs> and as much as, you know, the, the adventures of superman john kent book i don't think quite stuck the landing of where it needed to go with that story i still do appreciate the overtime work that he put into to try and make <laughs> sure that that superman story works as a and character one one at least nod to nether realms and and like the writers of that story is how did they go about defeating evil superman you brought real superman yep and, and like just him being who he is is ultimately more powerful than the hateful angry superman like you can't help it 100 percent. yeah so at least they did that at, at least, least they, they did that. that that's true that's true um you are correct there i i do think that that can also be the approach the approach taken when we look at one of the other most famous superman evil stories the justice lords Oh, yeah. From the Justice League animated series who, you know, you swap out a death of Lois Lane and you swap in a death of the Flash. And <laughs> that's what turns Superman, quote unquote, evil. For me, there is a certain, I mean, first of all, George Newbern. Incredible. One of the mm. best Superman to ever Superman. And the story of him deciding through this conversation with a deranged president Lex Luthor that no, I can make this world better is fascinating to me as a concept. Yeah. 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 That's like, I, I loved that arc in the show and it specifically is because of that. Like 
I love like just the distillation of that moment from that conversation, I think, is what makes that so interesting. Yeah, where he's basically like, you know what? You're right. Just putting you away and just doing the right thing is not going to help change the world. You know what will? Killing people and lobotomizing anybody who disagrees with me. And it's like, Boy. Jesus. Like, going to Arkham during that two-parter, I'm like, this is a dystopia. And oh, yeah. I think that's something that I think fascinates people when it comes to evil Superman as a concept. Like, oh, like, what would he do? Mm-hmm. And seeing all of the different, you know, outcomes of that is an interesting thought experiment. Yeah. But looking at that as like a definitive Superman story, like someone who we will talk about in a moment does, um, I think is, again, fundamentally un- fundamentally misunderstanding the character. And yeah. the idea that all it would take is one bad day to change someone who is fundamentally good is a misreading of why the character works in the first place. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm agreeing way more than I thought. I'm really happy that I'm not as devil's advocate as I thought I was going to wind up being here. But Which yeah, is we're... totally okay. Because <laughs> I think we come down on this the very same. Like they, They're interesting stories, but they don't work when you look at them as a concept. Mm-hmm. Like evil Superman as a concept is just inherently flawed. Yeah, and, and you can kind of check the boxes of things that make the character just not Superman. Right. At, at certain points in, in most cases. And I think that you're absolutely right. When you when you say that, it's a clear delineation from mm-hmm. Superman saying that this is a version we'll say of superman or an analog to superman but this is not superman as long as that delineation is made then you know no harm no foul but when we get into and i mean you look at characters like your ultramans your superboy primes Mm -hmm. who are characters that fundamentally are versions of the character that are just treated differently like Superboy Prime or Superman Prime, depending on your uh, whether you read uh, Final Crisis or not, <laughs> it's it's a he's a he's a character that I think is endlessly fascinating because he, as you mentioned earlier, and I'm so glad you did, represents the jaded fan. Mm-hmm. He represents, if anything, the idea that yeah, well, maybe Superman is corruptible. Maybe he's much more interesting that way. And, like, he is that character. He is him. He is that guy. And Ultraman, I think, is your bog-standard evil Superman. 100%. Yeah, he is, like, the cliche evil Superman. He is, he is, the, he, he is in, a, in a partnership with Supreme. <laughs> and he, him and him, the two of them and Brightburn go off and they, they have brunch every other Sunday. Evil like, brunch. Evil brunch. It's, like, the worst brunch you could find bottomed mimosas you can only have one mimosa yeah it's like at and it's at denny's it's like a denny's so each see any meal at denny's is an evil brunch (laughs) um but i think when you get into the idea of why evil superman doesn't work all you have to do is look at his origin you know we mentioned his his original idea is the champion of the oppressed and him being this idea by two Jewish kids trying to make a superhero for the first time. Mm. 
the truth is that wasn't their first draft. Yeah, the first I'm so draft, curious to hear about this. You were telling yeah. me about this before. So, and I, I remember finding this out, you know, years ago because i i am incredibly neurotic and when i get you know i i get my hyper fixations i need to learn everything whether <laughs> i like it or not and <laughs> um doing kind of some research on the origins of superman the superman that we know and love the circus performer the strong man the cape the s that was not the first pass at a superman story the original superman story by uh, Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster, was a sci-fi story to the core where mm -hmm. this character becomes um, gifted with the, the power of telekinesis and telepathy. And he uses his mind, he uses his telepathy, he uses his mind control powers to essentially take over the world. Oh. And it's this flawed idea of, you know, the, the ubermensch, the, mm -hmm. the character who has these incredible abilities. And again, this was the mid-1930s, so there were no, you know, Jean Grey's, Charles Xavier's. Yeah. Um, if you look at some of the original art for the, the original Superman, he looks like Lex Luthor. He's a oh, wow. bald-headed, evil scientist. And it, it cannot be a coincidence that the main arch enemy of superman is essentially the first draft of superman that's too cool and he's a character who used his psychic abilities for personal gain and ruin and eventually ruined his life and his best friend who was his um antagonist i guess since you know superman was the quote-unquote protagonist in the way that yeah. like an artemis fowl is <laughs> um he ended up, you know, being this cautionary tale of power corrupting. And I think it speaks to how much the evil Superman concept is flawed because they made this story. Um, if you dig around, you can find it. You can find scans of it um, and synopses that's, and whatnot. It's so fascinating to me because of, like, it sounds like they really were, like, pulling that Nietzschean idea of the Ubermensch yes. and then turned it on its head because the whole idea with that is eventually some normal person will throw off like the constraints of society and stuff like that and and they will like evolve basically to being the perfect superman and then the world will be better because of it and this guy mm -hmm. was the opposite <laughs> yeah and it's again it, it it's a really fascinating you know thought experiment on the superman i think i think the original story is called the reign of the superman and it's this it it's wonderful when you think about it and oh, it, like yeah. and you stretch that into like what that term means yeah, and how yeah. it's been tied into the character since then yeah that's great but like looking at him as this you know this bald-headed um terrifying sci-fi creature it's I think it speaks to the concept of evil Superman that Siegel and Schuster looked at that, finished the story, and went, no, nah, this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. No, nah, we got to make something else. And they landed on the original Superman idea of Clark Kent, Kal-El, strange visitor from, or a strange visitor from another planet. Like, that, if anything, tells you that the creators of the character knew that an evil Superman was a flawed idea. That's such a perfect argument.
That's such a perfect argument, Eric. But unfortunately, not everyone sees it that way. And the final evil Superman, I think, is the one that people who don't read comics are most familiar with. Mm -hmm. And that is one Zack Snyder's version of the character. Now, if you go back in the archives, we did a full uh, series alongside um, Good Brothers AJ Kincaid and Chris Carter where we did Into the Snyderverse, where we went through all of the Snyder films, all of the DCEU leading up to the Snyder Cut. And it's a fascinating thing looking at how Zack Snyder views that character. And I will say up front... I've met him twice. I have never had a full-on conversation with him about this. Seems like a lovely man, but he is someone who I think fundamentally does not understand the character. Mm. I mean, if you look at other things he's done, you can tell where he falls in that that kind of jaded look. Yes, outlook on things. Like, Absolutely. I, I mean, Watchmen, Three Hundred. Like, just look at his style and the way he presents characters. It totally yeah. checks out. And his version of Superman, who does exist in this concept of, oh, well, if he lived in the real world, he'd be much more cynical and alien, I think is an interesting concept. There's not, I don't think there is a wrong way to approach a Superman story as long as you understand the character. Mm -hmm. But looking at his treatment of the character, and especially his fascination with killing Lois Lane and making Superman a minion of Darkseid is it feels unhealthy in a way because <laughs> he's also the same guy who's just like well if you don't think Batman kills people you're living in a dreamland and I'm like yeah that's fiction buddy like <laughs> it's it's a fascinating approach to the character that I fundamentally disagree with mm. I have always thought, and this is complete fan theory because I don't know that he's ever said it, but I always assumed that where we were going to get to was Darkseid getting his hands on the, the um, oh, my brain just died. The anti-life life, equation. Anti-life equation. Thank you. Yeah. Getting his hands on the anti-life equation and catching Superman at the most vulnerable moment. And that's how he would take him like as a puppet, not as Superman willingly going like, you know, Sith Lord, basically. Like, right. So, so that was always my hope because I, I like the Cavill Superman. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I Henry Cavill's my guy. I think and... I think Henry Cavill is a wonderful actor in some not great material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've always felt bad that he'd never get his own sequel, but that's a whole yeah. nother thing. But yeah, I, I, I like to think that Snyder was going for the the other trope that we have already talked about not liking is the the dope who gets caught on the bad day <laughs> you yes. know that's that was uh what i kind of figured he was going for because just like in injustice it's basically oh lois lane gets killed and superman gets turned to the dark side mm-hmm. and i've never loved it i just haven't just like that idea of superman not being able to push through it and that's not in any way to minimize how much the death of Lois Lane would impact him. Sure. It absolutely would. But again, we've had a story that goes through that. And it's shown that Superman is still Superman. 
and a character who throws away his ideals and his moral values because of that doesn't feel to me like Superman. No, it's just the Punisher. Absolutely. And that's, you know, kind of he's the poster child of that that jaded fan of that cynicism. Mm -hmm. And seeing seeing the treatment of a character becoming this like widely accepted and mainstream like, oh, this is Superman. Everybody who wants like the dopey smiley Superman is dumb and they don't understand the character. And I'm like, bitch, how many comic books have you read? <laughs> what is what is going on here like it's it's funny to me because you'll see in you know on the the vaulted comic twitter or on comic tube or you know on tiktok and all these things of people who are just like man superman's such a boring character and he sucks mm-hmm. and he's only interesting when he's being helmed by Zack snyder and i'm like man what do you got what are you doing like I went through it too. I, you know, I can, I admit I went through it too, but you know what happened then? I read the right Superman comics because it is hard. Like it's not an easy character to write. Correct. You can totally screw it up. <laughs> it's very Absolutely. easy to do, but the people who get him do such an amazing job with what they do. Again, we've already referenced our Mark Wade's, our Grant Morrison's, our Alan Moore's, our Tom Taylor's. There are people mm-hmm. out there who know how to tell a good Kal-El, a good Superman story. And if you read those, it really helps you understand why he is who he is. Yeah. I think people would appreciate him more if they if they read like certain books. You know what I mean? And if they just did any kind of reading, because those books aren't hard to find. Oh, no. Like, you can you can throw a stone and you'll find a best Superman comics list anywhere. Literally anywhere. Literally. Um, I've, I've had people, you know, in my life and in my circles who are like, I don't really get Superman. Like, you know, what are stories that we can read? And it's like, boy, howdy, are there so many comics <laughs> for you to read that just show off how cool Superman is. Absolutely. And it's never been for me an issue of understanding the character. It's the, and I don't want to make this a blanket statement, but it oftentimes feel like it's a, it's a lack of wanting to understand the character. It's I view the character this way. I don't have an interest in learning more about that. Which is sad. Perfect example of that. I have a friend, hates Superman, came to the premiere of Man of Steel with a couple friends wearing a Batman shirt on purpose and then left the movie theater talking about how much he hated the movie. It's like he came in wanting to hate this, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that. And that is the, like the anti Superman like fan base is very staunch in that regard. Oh, boy, are they? Yeah. And it, you know, Usually, they'll either, once they get established in that group, they'll fall into one of two categories. Either they'll avoid the character altogether, or they will hail and worship the idea of an evil Superman. Mm -hmm. And when you are coming to that from a flawed perspective of, I don't like the character, so I want to see them fundamentally changed, then you're not a fan of the character. And that's okay! It's okay to not be a fan of a character. There are certainly characters that I am not a fan of that people love. But like, 
I don't go out of my way to say if they want me to be a fan of them, they have to change what the character is about. That's just me. But with that being said, all of this talk of, you know, evil Superman and how much it does or doesn't work really comes down to the argument of is evil Superman a, I guess, the right thing or an or a true evolution of the character mm-hmm. or what does it mean and how do we get through to people who view the idea of an evil superman or a superman who crosses the line and makes those cynical realistic and gritty choices and luckily enough for you listener we have the answer to that we've had the answer for a good long while, over two yeah. decades, you might even say. It was a story in Action Comics number 775, entitled, What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way? Written by Joe Kelly, with art by Doug Monkey and Lieber Mayho. First of all, what a murderer's row of incredible <laughs> comic creators. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the best of the best. But also... This story involves the debut of the Elite. You might know him. You might have seen a pretty good animated film about it. So good, yeah. One of the best. Superman versus the Elite. Uh, these, These characters, led by Manchester Black, were created to be the answer to Superman in the modern age. And I say that with just a little ounce of sarcasm, where these characters were the new age of superheroes they Mm -hmm. were going to lead the world into a new age of absolute power means you can decide what is right and wrong and you can be judge jury and executioner and superman having to deal with the idea of maybe i'm out of touch maybe the world has passed me by and i am no longer in vogue or the things that i believe are no longer true And through both the comic and the film, you get to see why that just isn't the case. (laughs) Yeah, I reread this in the uh, in the lead up to doing the show because I probably haven't read it in like 15 years. (laughs) And it you're you're right. It it absolutely holds up. And the core of this book is very similar to these these the idea that Mark Wade was putting forth with kingdom come mm-hmm. in that you like you said you've got these new characters who are kind of it literally is like classic superhero versus superhero of the times yeah and and uh, and and in both cases you know in kingdom come you got magog and then of course here you've got manchester black which i still think is one of the coolest names for a character just and- <laughs> just one of the coolest characters maybe yeah <laughs> and, and yeah it's it's very much at the core telling the same kind of story of like the edgelord heroes versus the classic good guy heroes. And what it does is it shows why they are fundamentally opposed to each other because of mm-hmm. their values. The elites are willing to burn the world down if it means that they get their way and that their version of justice is upheld. And Superman stands against that because he is the guy who will fight for the little person. He doesn't believe in absolutes. He doesn't believe in the idea that you can take the law into your own hands. That's not justice. And 
the confrontation that he has with the elite ending in this terrifying prospect of Superman's lost it. He's killing them. He is wasting these people. What a great panel too of him just bloody in the suit torn off. And one of his eyes is bloodshot. Uh, He's just standing over Doug Monkey. Incredible work. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and it, and I think they do it really well in the, in the movie as well, even though it is a bit more, um, stylized when it comes to the art design, Mm -hmm. he's still terrifying in that sequence and him saying like that argument, you know, being faced with that argument that Zack Snyder has is like, you're living in a dream world. If you think that your phony little thing can last Mm-hmm. And he has an answer for that. This is good. Yeah, I have a that stark image, that full page of Superman, like in a crying, crying Manchester Black's face. And he says, dreams save us. Dreams lift us up and transform us. And on my soul, I swear, until my dream of a world where dignity, honor, and justice becomes the reality we all share, I'll never stop fighting. That is the core. That is it's it. the core of the character, and it's why he is inimitable. That is why he is incorruptible. That is why he is insurmountable. Superman is good, and that's just what he is. Evil Superman stories can be interesting. We've talked about it, up and down. And I think, in a way, we have played devil's advocate by talking about how some of these stories, while interesting do not represent Superman as a character. And ultimately, the most interesting of these stories show the humanity of Superman in them. Mm -hmm. And the idea of just an evil Superman doesn't work fundamentally. We've seen it utilized and it crash and burn. Crash and bright burn, you might say. (laughs) But Superman as a character will always fight for truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. And that is what he represents. But as we're wrapping up here, um, I love having you on, man. I'm glad we got to sit down and have this conversation for our first ever Soup-tember. Again, go through, check out the catalog. Zach's releasing stuff. I'm releasing stuff. It's going to be the entire month, so make sure you tune in for that. If listeners want to continue on with your stuff, where can they find you? Feel free to plug all the things you want. All right. Well, uh, I do a little show, like he was saying, called The Comics That We Love, the other half of September uh, over there. Uh, You can find me on any podcatcher that you can think of. I'm very accessible. The show is very accessible. Follow me on Instagram at The Comics That We Love. Uh, I got a TikTok. I, I should use it more. I've got some pretty cool stuff there. <laughs> I, I do Hell these yeah. like cool little videos. So, yeah, what I've got there is good. Go check those out at least. Also, uh, if you want to get me on Twitter, I'm at Z underscore Irish underscore red, just because I was too lazy to make a different one for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I've said it before. If you If you like what I do here, you're going to love what Zach does on his podcast. Great conversations on incredible comic books. Um, his viewpoint and his the the way that he is able to elucidate and illustrate his points and how well spoken he is while doing so is something that I hope to one day be able to do. Oh. So I I love listening and I think you will too. Go check it out and tune in for the rest of September. We've got some amazing stuff for you this month. So make sure you tune in. Evil Superman may not work, but 
good Superman must, because we're dedicating an entire month to the guy. Amen. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are doing a halftime intermission for Ahsoka, the latest Star Wars Disney Plus series. We have four episodes in the bag with four to go. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with y'all. I've been enjoying it. I know there was a lot of hate for it when the first two episodes dropped, part one, Master and Apprentice, and part two, Toil and Trouble, but I actually really dig it. Uh, maybe it's because I have the the attachment to it because of Rebels. Uh, if you didn't know how much I love Rebels, go back a couple of weeks and you'll find our episode that I did with good brother Jesse Pickering where we talked about the best Star Wars Rebels episodes. But I have been in love with the Rebels characters and their story. And so when this was announced as basically a sequel series to Rebels, I was all for it. I was excited at the prospect, even though I still, we are four episodes in and there is literally only one case that i can find to describe why to to answer why this shouldn't have just been animated but we'll get to that in a second i've been actually really enjoying it it gives me a gives me a similar feeling to like throwing throwing back to older star wars like the prequels um and kind of the pacing the pacing's a little bit slower i'm not gonna lie to you uh the pacing's a little bit slower than we've seen in like the sequel series or a lot of the uh disney plus series so far i've been you know you know it's it's funny i've been really enjoying most of the Star Wars Disney Plus series so far. I mean, I loved the first couple seasons of The Mandalorian. The latest season was fine. Uh, I loved Andor. You know how much I loved Andor. I did not love Book of Boba Fett. And so this this show was coming in with uh, a lot of expectation on it, especially because it's being helmed by Dave Filoni, who did Rebels, who did the Clone Wars, who loves these characters and is known for showing that love in the storytelling that he is a part of. And I think so far they've mostly hit more than they've missed. Uh, I still, we're four episodes in, and I still don't love Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, there's there's a certain amount of, I guess, whimsy that uh, Ashley Eckstein has for the character that just feels lost from Dawson's portrayal. She's She feels very wooden, and I've said that every single time she's shown up, and I was hoping that this show would allow her to loosen up a little bit and get more into that role. Um... Ahsoka is a is a stoic and conserved character, but not to the point of feeling like emotionally cut off from people. She has never been like stoic to the point of um, of apathetic, and maybe apathetic is not the right word. But there's just a lack of energy from Ahsoka in this show, and I don't I don't love it. I do have faith that she'll be able to loosen up as the show goes on, but there's a little bit of like a wink and a smirk that I'm missing from her. Uh, that wink and the smirk is there for Natasha Liu Bordizo as Sabine. Um, I still think that it should have been animated, but I do think that 
what Bordizo's doing as Sabine works, especially for all of the groundwork that was laid before her in Rebels. I think that she is showing a lot of the same kind of energy as later seasons of Ezra, which makes sense because they're kind of walking that same path with her in this show. But I am enjoying her as Sabine. I'm really enjoying the nods to further uh, Rebels characters. You know, we had Clancy Brown come back. We had a couple other characters show up. Chopper's here. But the big selling point for me, and you know what I'm about to talk about, is Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera Syndulla, the best pilot in the galaxy. And honestly... Winstead's been killing it. She's been crushing it every single episode. I really dig Hera. She feels like she's the same character. Um, Adding into that aspect of motherhood with bringing in Jason and having her taking care of him while also dealing with all the nonsense and the bureaucracy of the New Republic. It's just working for me. It really, really is. Um, I'm enjoying her. And even though, of course, we've talked about this before, I was pre... uh, I, I, I guess you could say I had a bias going in because I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I love Hera. So why wouldn't this work for me? But I also love Ahsoka and I love Rosario Dawson. And I don't know what isn't working for me there. But I'm really enjoying uh, Winstead as Hera. I think she's doing a really great job and adding a lot to uh, what could be a thankless role in this story where she is kind of the exposition machine and also the person who is kind of trying to deal with all of the worst part of Star Wars, the politics. But she's doing a really great job. I also want to give a shout to Diana Lee Inosanto as Morgan Elsbeth, who's kind of like the main antagonist of the first four episodes. Um, I believe she was the antagonist of the episode of The Mandalorian that brought in Ahsoka. So I've been really enjoying her as kind of this very calculated uh, night sister who's pulling the strings of everybody. Uh, Inosanto said in an interview that Julius Caesar and Catherine the Great uh, were inspirations, and you can absolutely see it. It's really cool. There's a regal sense to her that I really enjoy. And then she is flanked by the late great Ray Stevenson as Balin Skull and Ivana Sok Sok No, I think is how you say it. Uh as Shin Hati. I love Skull and Hati. Uh just besides the the imagery that is implied with their names as Skull and Hati, I really love their inclusion here. Skull being this former Jedi who eventually fell into a mercenary life, and Hati as his calculated but kind of hot-headed apprentice. I love it. I also love that their lightsabers are orange instead of the classic Sith red. It gives them something new, it sets them apart, and I really, really like what they're doing here. I'm curious about them, I want to learn more about them, and I'm excited to learn more about them. Uh, David Tennant, crushing it as Hu Young. I didn't expect Hu Young to be here, but I am so excited that she is, or he is, and I just, I'm enjoying most of the performances here. Uh, The first two episodes do a great job in setting you up for what we need to know 
more or less, you know, setting the stage for the show, reintroducing us to all the characters that we need to know, introducing us to the new characters. Skull and Hati absolutely steal the show for the first two episodes. And then it's interesting because the first two episodes, right? First two episodes, uh, kind of end up lining up with the end of Rebels and recontextualizes the end of that show where the ending scene of uh, episode two mirrors the ending scene of Rebels. So you're expected to assume that this is the same scene. So we are now caught up with the Rebels timeline and that's just a very like specific thing that I really enjoy. Uh, Gets my gears working. I enjoy that kind of thing. But uh, the first two episodes do a good job in setting up the conflict between Ahsoka and Sabine, them having been former master and apprentice, though it's strange how that works, considering that at the conclusion of Rebels, we didn't see Ahsoka, she didn't show up until the... Either way, timeline stuff being a little fuzzy as it is, I'm still enjoying that aspect of them learning from each other and seeing the two of them be able to eventually coalesce across episodes three and four. Uh, Episode three, part three, time to fly. It was a great episode. And maybe it's because this was a Hera... This episode had more Hera in it than the previous two, but I really enjoyed it. I loved the... uh, The fighter or the the dog fights with the uh with the spacecraft i just i'm i'm a sucker for good ship battles what can i say um giving the MacGuffin that is the key to the map to get them to the other galaxy to possibly find thrawn and ezra i think is really cool and then uh, episode four, part four, Fallen Jedi, features a really good duel between uh, Skull and Ahsoka, uh, Hati versus Sabine, all of the Endor. It, it's giving very Endor with the battles in the forest, uh, leading to Ahsoka possibly dying and Sabine handing over the key to Skull and Hati and then making the jump the hyperspace jump to the next galaxy. And it ends with a very interesting cliffhanger. Uh, Ahsoka finds herself in the, uh, in the space between worlds, which we have seen before, but also finds herself with Anakin Skywalker. Hayden Christensen is back. He is de-aged a little bit, but he is looking, he is looking clone wars upped. He is, it's very interesting, the contrast between how he looks here versus how he looks in episode three. Uh, You can very clearly tell that they're inspired by the look of Clone Wars more so than episode three. And I'm excited. You know, this is, I've been saying for a while that this show needed to just be animated to bring back the Rebels cast and tell that story. But this is the one argument that I could see against that because I want more Hayden Christensen playing good Anakin. <laughs> we got like a brief taste of it in the Kenobi show, but seeing him here, um, even if just for a moment, as Clone Wars Anakin with Ahsoka sets up a really big uh Really big anticipation for episode five, which I'm very excited about to come out this week. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, There is a little bit of trepidation because after it cuts to black, we get the Darth Vader theme, which is um, gets me choked up thinking about it a little bit. 
uh, because as we talked about in that Rebels episode, uh, the reunion between Ahsoka and Vader was one of the high points of the series. And we also know, due to the episode, The Space Between Worlds, that we have seen this space and these images be manipulated before. Uh, the Emperor, famously in that series, used the image of Senator Palpatine to manipulate Ezra into trying to solve or trying to access the space between worlds. So I am very curious to see how this is going to shake out, but I can't wait to watch the rest of this series. Uh, let me know. If you're interested in keeping up with the rest of this series, or if you're interested in me continuing to uh, talk about the series, I am definitely interested, but we'll just have to see, and you'll have to reach out. But that does it for the halftime show for Ahsoka, and let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of September 13th, 2023. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be checking out this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop or comicsology or however you get your comics. These are the ones you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's comics, we got to take a look back at last week's comics with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And y'all... I'm going to let you know something right now. I thought that it couldn't get better than Doctor Strange. I thought when I closed that issue, this is absolutely the pick. There is nothing that could top this. And then I read Birds of Prey issue one. Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero. That is the pick. I absolutely loved that first issue. The art, of course, you know it's up my alley if you know anything about me. I love that style. I love everything that Romero is doing in this. But it's really, it's the writing. Kelly Thompson has been crushing it for a very long time, and she continues to do so in this book. I was not sold on this team. I was not sold on Harley Quinn. I think we are in Harley Quinn overexposure. But I really do appreciate the reasoning for bringing her on the team. I love the entire team together, and I'm very excited. This feels very... It's weird to make this comparison, but it feels very Expendables in the way that this was uh, all put together. Just a very similar vibe, and I love it. I'm very excited to continue on with this book. It is going to be a wild ride, and if you haven't already, take this as your sign. Jump on this book. It is going to be one for the books. But that's last week. This week, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books for you to check out, and let's kick things off with a brand new number one, that being Batman. Man and Robin number one. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Simone DeMeo. And I am very curious about this book. Uh, if you read last week's uh, Batman that continued on the, the Gotham War, this was part two of the Gotham War, uh, you would know that uh, Bruce and Damien are kind of backed into a corner here. So I'm wondering how this is going to build off of that. Let's dive into the synopsis and find out. Father and son, Bruce and Damien, Batman and Robin. 
From Batman vs. Robin to Night Terrors, a lot has happened to the dynamic duo, but now they are back together and ready to fight crime in Gotham. Just in time for Batman's most monstrous rogues to team up to turn the city into an urban jungle. A new villain watches from the shadows, intent on revenge with a plot to turn one of Batman's greatest assets against him. Can Damien help his father solve the case before it's too late? A brand new fun and exciting father and son adventure begins. Yeah, um, that kind of sounds like it's going to completely ignore the Gotham War that's going on, which, you know what, that's fine. Um, Whether or not this is taking place after the story, concurrently, or even before the story, I guess we'll find out, but... I trust in Joshua Williamson. I, you know how much I love that DeMeo art, so this is going to be an interesting one to pick up. Next up, we have Danger Street number nine. This is written by Tom King with art by Jorge Fornes. This book's been great. We are rapidly approaching the end. We are within striking distance of the last act of this series, and I'm really interested to see how they wrap this up. I'm still not sure. I have no idea from issue to issue what is going to happen, and that's kind of the magic of this series. So let's dive into the synopsis. A true joust, the likes of which has not been seen since medieval times. Both knights, noble in their quest, are ready to do whatever it takes to bring honor to their sigil. Witness Manhunter and Codename Assassin fight to the death in a match of wits and stamina as the life of the Commodore and the universe hang in the balance. I love this cover, too. This thing is excellent. Really excited to pick this up. Next up, we have Avengers Incorporated number one. This is another brand new number one written by Al Ewing with art by Leonard Kirk. And this is something different. Let's dig into the synopsis and find out just how much. Action, mystery, adventure. Her name is Janet Van Dyne. She's a hero. She's a celebrity. She's hunting a killer. His name is Victor Shade. He's a villain. He's an enigma. He just got killed. And together, they're out to solve every mystery in the Marvel Universe, starting with their own. Yeah, so this is, you know... I'm I'm assuming this is uh, Detective Noir spy thriller book i'm you know that's right up my alley and i love those genres so i'm curious i'm very interested in the idea of this and i am very interested to see what shakes out it's a it's an interesting concept that i don't know if it's going to work but al ewing always crushes it so i'm excited to see if it does Next up, we have Superman Lost number six. This is written by Christopher Priest with art by Carlo Pagulian. And this book rules. Uh, This book is telling a a very different Superman story, and I've been loving it so far. And I can't wait to find out the next chapter. Let's dig into the synopsis. Leaving for a mission in deep space with the Justice League, Superman's apparent PTSD threatens to compromise their mission. He is haunted by the memory of time running out before the sun of his second adopted world turns red and ultimately goes supernova, all while discovering the elites of the planet have been secretly developing an escape plan that will not include the impoverished underclass. So yeah, this has been a very interesting look at Superman as a champion of the oppressed, right? Uh, I've talked about it before. We talked about it a little bit in this episode that Superman as that in that role 
gets minimized over time when when you talk about the grand history of the character, but I love that that has returned in this series. And alongside that, Superman's been dealing with a lot of PTSD, uh, other mental health issues in the present day aspects of the story, so I've been loving this really cerebral, introspective look at the Man of Steel. I've been loving this book, and I can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have, speaking of Al Ewing from a second ago, X-Men Red number 15 this is written by al ewing with art by yildare sinar i hope i said that correctly if i didn't i apologize but i mean it's x-men red what do you want we're going to war baby uh the war between storm and genesis is going to consume the entire planet of mars slash Araco, and i can't wait to read this let's dig into the synopsis and find out what's going on Sins of the Past. Under siege in Port Prometheus, Storm readies to hold the line against the ultimate bioweapon. Meanwhile, the Fisher King finds himself tormented by his strange new abilities, and the secrets in his memory might turn the tide of the Genesis War. I've been waiting to learn more about the Fisher King, so I am very excited about this. Next up, we have World's Finest Teen Titans number three. This is written by Mark Wade with art by Emanuela Lupacino. I've been loving the book so far. I think I talk about it every single time that I can. This book rules. I love having this group of knuckleheads in their prime teen tightening careers, and I love this book. And I'm very excited to see what happens here. We're going to Titans Con. Let's dig into the synopsis. Titans Con. As the Titans fandom converges on Metropolis by the thousands, the team crashes the con as a surprise, knowing it will leave the Titans and their secrets exposed. While Kid Flash and Speedy show off for the crowds, a new teenage villain, the obsessive Toy Boy, shows up to wreak havoc and claim Supergirl for his own. We're getting a kid toy man? A sidekick to toy man? That has very complicated um, ramifications and implications. But I'm I'm really excited. I love the... I love the implication of a con scene and fandom when it comes to my superhero comics, and I'm excited at the inclusion of this. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is in another brand new number one, Daredevil number one. This is written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Aaron Cuter and kicks off a brand new era for the man without fear. Uh, Chip Zdarsky's... Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto's run. Uh, the body is still warm, but they are diving straight into this new series. Um, I'm very interested. I love Aaron Cuter. I've really enjoyed everything that I've read from Saladin Ahmed. And I'm excited to see their take on the character. Let's dig into the synopsis and try to figure out where they're going. Born Again. The new era of Daredevil starts here. Industry stars Saladin Ahmed and Aaron Cuter have laced up and entered the ring, ready to take Matt Murdock on a knockout of an adventure. Where does Elektra fit into all of this? What is the future of Hell's Kitchen? Romance, intrigue, and of course, action, all delivered in the mighty Marvel manner. So it kind of sounds like this is going to be a... I don't want to say simpler story but it definitely seems like it's not going to be as complicated 
as the uh, Chip Zdarsky and Marcio Cicchetto run, which didn't, I mean, overly start complicated, but the kind of clean slate that Zdarsky and Cicchetto left Matt off in gives way for them to tell a a smoother, a cleaner story, I suppose. Uh, so I'm very interested. You know that Daredevil has been crushing it. I mean... I don't think Daredevil's had a bad run for a very long time. So I'm excited to see exactly what this new run is going to be all about. And I'm excited to pick up all of the books this week. To recap, we've got Batman and Robin number one, Danger Street number nine, Avengers Incorporated number one, Superman Lost number six, X-Men Red number 15, World's Finest Teen Titans number three, and Daredevil number one one lots of new number ones this week so make it your number one priority to head on over to your comic book shop and pick up some great comics and that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is the first time you're joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here on the podcast. You can write literally anything you want. I will be forced to read every single word. As long as you give me those five stars, the sky's the limit on what you can write. And you'll be able to join the likes of our terrific 21, including Seafire ND, Josh Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken 4656, Director Hall, Mullet Overlord, Invisible Man 11, Ed Likes Things, Clip 326, That Logan, and Ken from Norway. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to here yours. If you want to be part of the Geeksplained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, maybe you'd like to get first notification when I make announcements for the podcast, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, not calling it X, at Pod. that's at P-O-D. as I continue to try to get better at Instagram and as Twitter slowly sinks like the Titanic, uh, that would be the place to do it. And finally, this Friday and every single Friday is the Geek Explained Book Club, where I, alongside my fellow Flash family, Jacob Brown and Malcolm Russell Nelson, are currently going through every single issue of every single volume of The Flash Rebirth. This week, we are going to be tackling volume 13, a.k.a. Rogue's Reign. Where Barry, in the, I guess, in the aftermath of the doom consuming the planet, he has to deal with the rogues. It's a big old calamity. It's a big old confrontation with his most famous enemies that are not named the Reverse Flash. And it is going to be a hoot. And it might not be the last time I mention the book club, boys, here. Stay tuned for that in a second. I want to say a huge thank you once again to Zach for coming on the show to talk about Evil Superman. As you can tell, both of us felt very passionate about this topic. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And now that you're almost done listening to this episode, head on over to the comics that we love, where Zach is going to be putting a spotlight of sorts on Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. 
I love that series, and I'm really excited to listen in on what Zach has to say about it. So tune in to Zach's stuff. Tune in to both of our podcasts all September long. It is going to be a hell of a ride. But that does it for this week. Next week in part three of September, I'm going to be joined by the book club boys. Jacob and Malcolm are going to be venturing all the way from the Friday show to the Wednesday show as we talk about the best episodes of Superman the Animated Series. It is celebrating 27 years this month, so we had to sit down and talk about one of our favorite series of all time. So tune in to that next week, same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explain podcast and for September, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Stay safe, and we will see you next time.